all these idiots and fools and jackasses on radio. What an introduction that was. Holy God. My gosh. Nobody does it better. Kids, we don't want another incident here, okay? Yeah. It's such a bizarre world. I apologize for that. All right, go, go. Covering your cough, staying home when you're sick, and washing your hands. This is Ed McMahon. And now, he is Armstrong and Getty. Getty. You know what it is. It's a dimly lit room deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications Compound on a little Friday. It's Thursday, right? Little Friday? Time to get the party weekend started. Absolutely right. Are you going to party? I'm going to party. Where are you going to party? Is there a party? Um, uh, And today we're under the tutelage of our general manager. The coronavirus. The coronavirus is our general manager. Yep. Um, Wash your hands, you filthy pig. So we got the first case in America that they don't know where the person got it. Is yeah. that correct? Yes, sir. And it's in California? Sacramento, California. Yeah. Wet bat market in Stockton. That'd be my guess. Oh, boy. I don't think there is one, but it's a theory. They're Maybe down it's there. one of those clandestine ones. Somebody's garage. They were down there shopping for live bats. They were just kind of sloshing around in a bucket. <laughs> yes, that's how it works. And, uh... And they caught the CV. Do you want pangolin tonight, honey, or wet bat? <laughs> it's going to be kind of warm today. Let's have bat. Sounds refreshing. The kids love it. Yeah. Oh, boy. And uh, so, anyway, that's that. Very exciting stuff. Yeah. Well, I will, like I said, i got to wait and see on the coronavirus. It's, uh, it's definitely As concerning. As opposed to what? As opposed to what? Making broad pronouncements as to whether it should be feared or not. Yeah. I assume somebody will tell me if I'm supposed to be afraid at some point. i got important things to worry about. For instance, I'm wearing a dress shirt, which I rarely do. Mm. And I thought, you know, we should let people know if they ever hear us mention Sleeve Boy what that is. I'm wearing a dress shirt today, and on the way up in the elevator, I was trying to button that terrifying button that's between the one that's on your sleeve. you got to button that one. That's a normal one. It's a good-sized button. You can button that. Anybody can. Sure. But yeah. But tiny the, little button. The tweener right there at mid-forearm. Who knows why that's there? But, but where is a sleeve boy? And sleeve we, boy, and get we, in here! And we thought if a person was very wealthy, <laughs> they would have someone that they called sleeve boy who would do that particular button for them. Exactly. His sole task as a servant waits around in his little uniform. Yes, he's uniformed. Well, part of his task is also kind of enduring the condescending talk of when the the sleeve wearer says, oh, I I wish I were you, sleeve boy. It's not (laughs) condescending, Sean, to point out that sleeve boy's life is so simple. I envy you, sleeve boy. (laughs) Some days I even wish I were you, sleeve boy. That's right. The complexity of my world, it's exhausting you with your simple duties and your simple mind. You're so well matched for it, sleeve boy. Now get away from me. <laughs> Wait, did you when look the sleeve is buttoned, get away. Did you look at me? <laughs> did you attempt to look me in the eye, You know sleeve that is boy? part of our agreement. Sleeve boy. Now off with you. I, um, I, um, I'm not Catholic. Uh, all my friends were Catholic when I was a kid, so that's where I get most of my awareness about uh, Lent and... Ash Wednesday, which is today, and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the Pope for Ash Wednesday, uh, his his pronouncement today was to stop trolling people on social media. Wow. Knock off the trolling. No trolling. And I thought, that's a pretty good one right there. That is a good one. You want to talk about the most basic, letting your 
inner devil out. Nobody's around to check you. Mm. And it's fairly minor, but I think it has it's got to have major repercussions over time in your own mind. And certainly does in other people, the people that are being attacked. That's a really good place to start right there. Yes, they say your your character is what you do when no one is watching. My character is video games? So, <laughs> <laughs> masturbation? Oh, easy. Um, so, uh... Uh, but it's it's got to wear on you over time, just constantly being cruel to people secretly. Yes. You know, it's funny. I thought I didn't think that was the Pope news you're going to bring us. The Pope news I'm most interested in is that he had a big to do in the uh, Vatican yesterday showing uh, unity with the coronavirus sufferers in Italy and that people should not be afraid and the rest of it. And he went out and he shook hands and he kissed babies and did everything he always did. He has had to cancel all of his duties today because he's sick. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Now, (laughs) that's not how viruses work. He's a very old man. Right. And everybody gets sick. Sure. Yeah. It's probably a coincidence. Yeah. Probably. Well, with the first case in America that has been uh, somebody got it and they don't they you know they didn't just get back from China. I've raised it up to my top. It'd probably make my top four thousand things to worry about today. Community transmission, they call it, Jack. Really, for some reason, yes. Gotcha. Uh, let's introduce everybody in the squad to kick off the show. There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? I'm doing good. When I was a kid, I was always taught look both ways carefully, or before you cross the street, or you use a crosswalk. And there's a reason I'm, I'm saying this. Last night, uh, my fiance, we were out driving, and it's dark. It's like 7:30 at night. It's pitch black, and all of a sudden, we see a bicyclist go across, um, you know, traffic, no crosswalk or anything, and he gets hit by a car. Oh, oh wow! You saw, saw it, but he was fine. Car. They knocked the bike, and he falls down. But I guess he was slightly injured. But he gets up and he starts screaming at the car. Of course, even though he flew through the intersection. Yeah, well, this is pitch black. I mean, yeah. there, there's no crosswalk in any way whatsoever. So it's just somebody running across the street, basically. Mm-hmm. And he gets up, and he's making a scene in front of everybody. And he's screaming and yelling and saying how this guy needs to be more careful and stuff. Well, a lot of the bike community feels that way about drivers. Well, we'll, we'll get to the end of the story. So you ran him over for his rudeness. <laughs> no, but my fiance was all that, you know, poor person. They got hit. I explained her. No, this is not a cross. You don't just run across the street. Well, you can, but if you get hit, it's your you fault. If you get hit, it's your fault. And wow. that's what I said. I'm sorry the guy got hurt, but. Yeah. Brutal. Um, and then on the way to work here, I'm driving along. And all of a sudden, about two feet from the, to the left of my car, there's suddenly a guy running towards my car. In the middle of the street. For no apparent reason. I have yeah. no idea if he was trying to run in front of my car or whatever. So what I did veered you? to the right, and I missed him. Hit him, too. But it's just huh. it's crazy. I mean, yeah. I, I just don't understand people. It well, seems to be the new thing, and people don't care about crosswalks. Well, you hear bums and junkies and, and tough guys who are especially out in the middle of the night. They like to saunter across the street, not even looking. Just sending the message, my streets. I've run into that a couple of times here in Bumville as well. Yeah, some of it is attitude. Some of it is just so hammered they're oblivious as right. to what they're doing. Oh, yeah, true. Yep. Uh, but, uh, yeah, some of it is the attitude. Hey, uh, I'll walk across the street. You're stopping for me. Yeah. Whatever. I, I see that positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room, I can't see his smile because he's got his gas mask on. I can only assume the gas mask we bought for the riots at the Cleveland Convention. The key to prevention is preparation, Jack, and I am prepared. For the coronavirus? Absolutely. We we got community transmissions, which I just thought was the place that I used to take my car when it was (laughs) slipping between second and third. (laughs) But apparently this is a real bad deal. 
So I am prepared. I am ready. I am gargling bleach every 15 minutes. Sensible. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll keep you guys posted. Thank hope, you. Hope you guys have preparations and rations as well. Rations? Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm eating food out of a can, baby. <laughs> I kind of always do have rations in the form of, like, Pop-Tarts and candy bars and stuff oh. like that. Um, My eye things keep fogging up. I don't know how effective this mask is. So the uh, the president gave a little speech about coronavirus last night. We can play from some clips from that. I want to talk about the president's role in general in these sorts of things and how that has changed over the years. Yeah, for some reason. Yeah, it's it's troubling, and the it's now completely politicized and and ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. On this, it's Thursday, February twenty seventh, year twenty twenty. We're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Let's begin then officially according to FCC rules and regulations. Here we go at Mark. How does it feel to be a bunch of radicals? Huh? A bunch, of, a bunch of revolutionaries. A bunch of socialists here in Myrtle Beach. There you go. Pretty good Pretty good chair for radicals, revolutionaries, and socialists. Where was that? Did he say Myrtle Beach? Myrtle Beach. He, he meant Myrtle Beach, but it kind of came Myrtle Beach. That's interesting. I, I've, I've spent Maybe a, that's his girlfriend's name. <laughs> Myrtle Beach. I've spent a number Kiss of... Myrtle. I've spent a number of late night uh, uh, at Myrtle Beach, the town, and the, the actual beach. Mm. Um, and I would have not have guessed that was a hotbed of socialism, based oh, yeah. on my experience. But uh, that's a pretty good crowd that Bernie got there. We have got, we've got to play it this hour. We've got to play it every hour today. Uh, a clip of Bernie from 1981. And this is the sort of thing you're going to hear a million of. I guarantee you that's an exaggeration. But there are hundreds of clips like this out there because he's so old. Goody. And he's been doing interviews forever, but this is him on Phil Donahue talking about socialism and how he doesn't like capitalism and that sort of stuff. Right. And he was a 40, it was back in 1981, but he was 40 then. Okay, so you can't accuse him of, you know, youthful indiscretions. He was in college, he was stoned. Right. Whatever. No, he's a grown man. But anyway, we'll get to that later. How does mailbag look? Oh, it's fine and dandy. A little uh, humor, a little insight. Good. It covers a lot of ground. All on the way in the Armstrong and Getty Show. You can't get coffee? No. no coffee? That's right, sir. And well, I, I don't drink coffee till I get to work. That's part of my thing. I take my first drink of coffee when I get it to work. Pamo, I'm ready to do the show. I would wreck every day. So we got no coffee. Yeah. So, uh... So, uh... That's going to be rough. Put on your going and buying stuff shoes, Sean. We're, we're buying. You're flying. I am. Uh, I got to have coffee. This show runs on caffeine! It's not an option. We're putting it, you nugget! I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am this so, is what happens when he doesn't have it. I'm so sorry. You know, I I was given two caffeinated thumbs up to the new machine, too. Don't get me started. This is what I, I have a feeling it's too late. This has bothered me my whole life. Yes. So the other coffee machine was perfectly fine and everybody was happy with it. There was no zero wrong with it. No. I've always been a fan of when things that were perfectly fine get replaced by something more complicated and expensive that then doesn't work. I've always been a fan of that. Ah, uh, point of order. My Mr. whole life, Chairman. since I was a little kid, it's driven me crazy. The old thing was fine! When Why did we get rid of the old thing? When you're done mansplaining, I would like to explain it. 
it to you. Oh. That machine didn't make fancy coffee drinks. <laughs> All it did is make coffee. Every day perfectly. And little pods of like mediocre French vanilla flavor. <laughs> this one gives you whipped. Yeah. Everybody was very excited because you could get hot chocolate in this one. Get what out of my way. Children? It's just like in Starbucks. They need to have a separate line for grown-ups who need coffee because right. they're making a living. Right. And children who need milkshakes and hot chocolate. Yes. yes. Separate lines. We have plenty of teas and hot water for you. I interest you guys I'm in tea. I'm desperate for caffeine. I do need to do something nice that's got caffeine. Meal. Well, if Bernie wins, start drinking tea because it's going to be a tea-drinking, <laughs> cat-owning socialist world. <laughs> cat-owning. Mailbag. <laughs> hey, right. Huh. Oh, that's funny. If Bernie wins, we'll all have to be wearing our own cats. <laughs> uh, let's see. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day from Alexis to Tocqueville. It is indeed difficult to imagine how men who have entirely renounced the habit of managing their own affairs could be successful in choosing those who ought to lead them. It is impossible to believe that a liberate, energetic, and wise government can ever emerge from the ballots of a nation of servants. It's a good point. Well, you're voting yourselves money. Gimme, 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 Grant. It's Santa Claus mommy government. On a lighter note, uh, here's a uh, note from, I think it's Lord... Lord, Lord as in Lord Garth. Is that what he calls himself? Maybe he's British. I don't know. When we were royals, Maybach, da, 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 that Lord? No, I, no, it's spelled differently. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Guys, on the topic of crossbreeding possibilities, what if they got the horse-faced lesbians together with the dog-faced pony soldiers? You, may, <laughs> you might end up with dog-faced lesbians or the more acceptable horse-faced pony soldiers. There you go. Yeah, you might not even notice. Both phrases used by candidates in recent weeks. Yes. Yeah, moving along, Pat in the Hood writes, Guys, the problem with socialism is I know my neighbor is a lazy good-for-nothing. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, that is that is the briefest and most powerful denunciation of socialism I think I've uh, ever come across. The worst thing about so- socialism is that turns even the energetic into lazy good-for-nothings because there's no point. Right. It get removes the, the incentive for striving and removes the disincentive for not striving. No, it does not. Okay. According to a 40-year-old Bernie Sanders, who you're going to hear from in about five, six months. Oh, for the love of God. You know, I can't help it. This note from Chris in San Francisco is so good. Serious, but good. Sanders praising China for lifting people out of poverty is so outrageous and ignorant on several levels. First, there's another email of reference. No other country in the history of the species is responsible for inflicting as much poverty, starvation, suffering, and death as China uh, through their Great Leap Forward, Cultural Revolution, One-Child Policy, etc. So we're to praise them for bringing people out of the hole that they dug? But second, to the extent that people have been lifted out of poverty in recent years, it's the result of China's partial move toward capitalism and trade with capitalist countries. Who allowed them un-before-ever-seen advantages to be successful also with their system. So it's sickening to see Sanders promoted as some success story of state intervention while decrying capitalism in America. And it's doubly sickening that not a single Democrat on stage called him on this. Uh, That's a good point right there. I would agree completely, Chris. The the China one is impossible to explain away. I mean, how he can say anything good about China, I don't know. I mean, that one is inexplicable. Mm. The Cuba one, that whole thing, the literacy thing, has been around since the 60s. And uh, and and various people apologizing for Castro have been using that forever. Well, the Atlantic has a great article about that. We'll get into that 
here in the next hour, explaining that whole literacy thing with Castro and this is from the Atlantic. If you don't know, they're not a right wing magazine by any stretch of the imagination. Right. But explaining where that whole literacy thing came from that Bernie is talking about. And if it well, if it is inaccurate, that is doubly bizarre then and really exposes Bernie for what he is. But even if it were 100 percent true, if I were to praise the. You know, infrastructure. Governments that done a great have done a great job of infrastructure. There are quite a number to choose from. If I went with 1930s Germany over the United States in the 50s, for instance, or or any a number of other uh, examples, that would be a thing, as the kids say. Why why am I pray Why am I going out of my way to praise Hitler? Come on, but that's well. But the, okay. but again, the China one is the most inexplicable of all. That one makes no sense. Not Nazis don't exist anymore. So you'd be going back to a former regime. And I mean, the same Communist Party is in charge of China now as was before. They've been using the same system all along, and it has killed 80, 90 million people. Right. There's just no getting around that. Right. And so they emerged from a period of particularly horrific death into a, a gentler period of horrific death and concentration camps and the rest of it, and Bernie praises them for it. And part of their the culture of socialism in China is taking women out of their homes and, and murdering their babies inside their bodies and that sort of thing. Right. That's part of the whole socialist ideal. Right. What? Good stuff. It's Good really stuff. weird. Anyway, uh, Bernie on the Phil Donahue show from back in the day coming up. Stay tuned. Well, Japan is closing schools nationwide because of the coronavirus. Whole country. Um, more on the coronavirus later. We don't have any coffee here. I consider this a hostile work environment. Right. I'll be going to HR. Right. Do we have HR anymore? No, but uh, I think it's an email address. <laughs> <laughs> I'll email HR. This is a hostile work environment. Um, so, Bernie Sanders. The um, uh, front runner, by I think anybody's estimation, to be the person who runs against Donald Trump. Uh-huh. And uh, has got quotes out there over the years praising Fidel Castro and Cuba. And he's had to figure out a way to massage that uh, more recently. So we'll get into that in a little bit. <clears throat> and he has uh, quotes uh, praising other loathsome dictatorships oh, yeah. uh, as well. This, would... this is going to be never-ending Yeah, if he's the nominee. Yeah. So, I kind of hate for it to come out now. <laughs> I'd rather he gets the nomination and then it become a thing. But uh, And I don't know who's getting some of this stuff out there. Biden's people, Buttigieg's people, any of them. Yeah. Because I, I don't think Trump's people are putting this stuff out there. Ah, uh, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I don't know. I really think they want Bernie. Trump tweeting over the weekend, way to go, Bernie. Huh. You get him. Don't let him steal it from you this time, Bernie. Mm-hmm. He, he's loving the idea. Although, like my uh, friends at the the Dispatch News outlet, Jonah Goldberg and David French, and that crowd, they're 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 conservatives, but they don't like Trump. Um, they they think uh, people are being way too sanguine about uh, the whole Bernie Trump race. Well, listen, th- there are obvious differences, but the Democrats were just thrilled to get Trump. Right, exa- absolutely. In twenty sixteen, absolutely. Yes, so, we can't lose. I think anybody. Right. I think we all got a little dose of being humbled. Right. Expectations just—it's a different world. Certainly should have. 
But anyway, Different dumb world. Uh, Dumber by the minute. Anyway. Back in the day, in the like uh, 70s, 80s, Phil Donnie, who had a daytime TV show, it was like the Ellen of its day. Um, and he had a, a 40-year-old Bernie Sanders on his show, and here's a little snippet of it. But are you a capitalist? No, I'm not a capitalist. So you don't believe in the profit motive, free enterprise, if I have a better mousetrap, I make more money. There's something can... to be said for free enterprise on a local level and competition. But what we're happening in our society is we don't live in a free enterprise society. You live in a corporate capitalist society where in virtually every single industry you have giant multi-billion dollar corporations competing, driving the small businessman okay. But let's out. pretend it would work without all that kind of acquisition of power that is unfair and doesn't... Do I believe that the profit motive is fundamental to human nature? The answer is no. The answer is no. Wow. And that last part is the key to me. Do I believe that the profit motive is fundamental to human nature? No. Uh, so he believes in the utopian ridiculousness of the collective. And and that people will just work hard because they care about their fellow man. Right. And we're all in this together. Right. Which would be Out awesome. Personal responsibility. Which is awesome if we're true, but it's not. Right. And, and everybody been, would be putting out their very best effort and then taking only what they need and... Uh, that's it's hilarious. I can barely get the words to come out of my mouth. So he's gonna have to he's gonna have to explain that. I don't know if he's gonna backtrack from that or what. So that that other stuff about corporate capitalism and the individuals on their own that's that's a good thing to rally people around and all that that that, that that'll work. But sure, the the, the flat out Marxist claim that people aren't driven by their own profit mm. that's just that ain't gonna fly. Yeah, and you know if he were a twenty year old social student, I could forgive him. He for was it, forty. He was forty. Yeah, exactly. And and the, the the twisted part to me, the part that makes me most frustrated, is that many of the uh, the sins of capitalism that people like Bernie are are most staunchly against are the opposite of capitalism. They're the powerful, and I this is absolutely true. This happens. It's the powerful using the power of government to fashion a system that serves them. Okay, that absolutely happens. But then the answer from Bernie and frequently folks on the left is to give the government even more power and that somehow if they achieve a certain level of power, they will be transformed into wise and benevolent angels who exercise that power only from good. You know, Milton Friedman uh, used to talk about, you think America runs on greed? You name me a regime that doesn't run on greed. You don't think China runs on greed and and, uh, and the Soviet Union runs on greed, people trying to acquire power and wealth and influence and the rest of it, grow up. That, right. wasn't, so, that wasn't how you know he ended that so screed, but that's how I'm ending it. I got a lot of, on Bernie today, and uh, some of this I haven't nailed down. Like, I'll say this, for instance. This is uh, from Ben Shapiro's podcast yesterday, and we share at least one radio station with Ben Shapiro, KBC, uh, in Los Angeles. Um, but... Uh, I'm assuming since he said it, he's spent some time looking into it. Here you go. From his podcast yesterday, just a couple of highlights. Bernie didn't have his first full-time job until he was 39 when he was elected mayor in Vermont by 10 votes. So his first full-time job was a government paycheck. Prior to that, he lived off welfare in super poor conditions and did not pay support for his child. I haven't verified any of that. Ben Shapiro was reporting that yesterday on his ben show. Is, ben is not a slinger of untruths. No, he's not. I would suspect that that's correct. He's yeah. not, but I just want to throw that caveat out there. I don't know that. I haven't like, We've not independently right. verified it. What it reminds me of, and again, check out our podcast we did about socialism and, and the book Heaven on Earth. That's exactly what Marx was like. He was a, he accomplished nothing, running around, living off everybody, um, being a burden to his family. Yeah, he was a he was essentially a beggar. 
He begged from his family, begged from his friends. He was totally unproductive. So it's just kind of than his wackadoo theories. But so I got more on that he later. He did write a book, which is more than I can say. This but is, you this... know why I haven't written a book, Jack? Do you know why? Because I think there are too many books. <laughs> why would I inflict another one when there are plenty? <laughs> on practically every subject you would imagine. Oh, it is indeed. So uh, I'll get more to that later. To the thing that I can nail down, because this I'm reading straight out of the Atlantic, which how would you describe the politics of the Atlantic? They're liberal. Well, they're certainly not right-wingers. No, no, good Lord, no. They, they're they're left-center. They, they run stuff that's crazy left, and then they'll answer with something that's reasonably right. And so, yeah. Okay, but this is from the Atlantic. This is on the whole um, uh, Bernie Sanders saying, and you know what Fidel Castro did when he came into office? He started a literacy program. A literacy program. Now, you're going to tell me there's something wrong with that? Wow. So, uh, okay, you know, as you said earlier, even if he did, that's kind of weird because, you you know, you shoot all your political opponents and locked up all the journalists and, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and murdered the gays and all these different sorts of things. Confiscated <laughs> people's private property and then made sure nobody ever read anything that wasn't approved by the Communist Party. Keep that in mind as we discuss literacy. My, fa- Sean. my favorite rhetorical trick there is, quote-unquote, came into office. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. gotten a lot of people's <laughs> attention. But anyway, here you go from the Atlantic. So the scene was set, and they, they little background on Fidel, and then I jumped ahead. So the scene was set for Fidel Castro to select education as a major issue for his revolution. He had mentioned plans to raise teachers' salaries and improve rural schools briefly in the manifesto of his revolution, but once in power, it was clear that he saw education as having a pivotal role in consolidating his revolution. Under Fidel Castro, education became universal, but he also stipulated that anyone who received this education would have to, would have to actively promote government policies both during and after their schooling. They would also be required to take government-approved courses that didn't tolerate any criticism of socialism as a way of life. In other words, education was seen as a key to the revolution taking hold and creating a literate population loyal to the government. That was the whole point. Right. By 1961, when the literacy campaign was at its height, Fidel Castro began closing all private schools, many of which were run by the Catholic Church. So you weren't even allowed to go to a different school. No. This followed the breaking of diplomatic relations with the U.S. and the seizure of American commercial and residential property. The battleground with the U.S. therefore had an early educational focus, and it provoked the first wave of Cuban exiles, those who did not like the direction the revolution was taking. The so-called Pedro Pan flights brought to America school-aged children whose parents preferred exile in the U.S. to indoctrination. Many educators from the old regime followed, prompting a teacher shortage on the island. Which the Castros, uh, blah, 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 um, uh, established a new school in Miami, uh, Cuban exiles, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So people risk, so, so, how somebody didn't have this information on stage that, that like somebody dug up for him. So they could raise their hand and said to Bernie, people risked their lives to get their kids off the island so they could get a real education. Right. Not just learn to read, but learn to read things about policies other than socialist policies. Right. And they had a teach a massive island-wide teacher shortage because they couldn't come up with another teachers teachers to teach this crap. Yeah, people were desperate to flee. What does that tell you? I mean, that doesn't that tell you everything you need to know? And people were desperate to flee in 1970 and 1980 and 1990. And indeed today. I, oh God, it's just so frustrating. So Castro's great literacy program was uh, intended to be a tool of indoctrination Sure. And uh, and oppression. Yeah. It was, a, oh, it, was great. A, it was a clever and it's a pretty good idea. Yeah, I'm going to teach people to read. They're going to read only that socialism is the best policy. And then I am uh, uh, like a god. 
right. Right. So, sorry, eh, he gets no credit for his literacy program. Yeah. I'm sorry. God, just, that is stunning. And you know what else is stunning? One, that none of the candidates on the stage had that as a retort. Right. None of the journalists thus far. How has Bernie been a senator all this time, spouting this crap all these years, run for president twice, and nobody in a town hall on CNN or any, nobody's ever put this to him before? Mm. How is that possible? I heard, I don't know if it was Carville or somebody the other day, one of your um, uh, lefty political pundits saying, uh, they're not doing Bernie any Sanders by letting him slide on this stuff. Any favors. Any favors. They're not doing Bernie any favors by by not having this stuff come out earlier that he can, you know, come up with an answer for. Yeah. Um, All these outlets that are just kind of letting him slide on these various things about his background. Mm. The, The Donahue interview. Come on. That that there's and you know there's tons of stuff out there like that. Well, there especially How did among sixty minutes not have that. Especially among the young, the siren song of socialism sounds sweet. It 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 depends on either well either naivete or 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 lack of wisdom because if you observe human nature for you know uh, even a, the you know reasonably short lifetime, you wake up to the reality that, listen, people will not all pitch in and do the right thing outside of a very small group that can self-regulate itself. They just never have and they never will. And and the one thing, and, and I've got a story about this, that you're going to think I made it up. The one thing that always, that's, I'm sorry, the one thing that these plants always have in common is that they require more power. To the government. We just need a little more power. We just need to run this. We need to eliminate that and, and take the power onto ourselves. It's always more power. Doesn't that strike you as a little odd? That these systems don't trust you to bring yourself a utopia? They're going to force it upon you. That was actually a big part of uh, Lenin and why uh, our podcast about um, uh, the big book about socialism, Heaven on Earth, is uh, Lenin was a piece of S. Is that one of his main things was you cannot trust the proletariat to figure this out for themselves. You've got to force it on them. Social and and Lenin also said socialism is a means to get to communism. Hey Sean, how are we looking on getting some coffee in here? Because we still don't have any coffee, and I just uh, as, as soon as we break, I'm getting it. You're going to go down and yeah. get coffee. Okay, fantastic. Why don't you break now? Like break for the door. We then have, break yeah, speed records. Feel free. All, All right, go ahead, Sean. Don't work. All right, then break. <laughs> Get get hustling, son. So the Earth has caught another moon. We got to talk about that. Uh, pardon me. We, <laughs> the Earth has caught another moon. I'm sorry. It sounded like you said the Earth has caught another moon. Uh, the, <laughs> that is what I said. The uh, uh, and and the state of Cal Unicornia may have come up with its wackiest scheme yet. Fantastic. And trust me, that's saying something. Hmm. I mean, this one is. Uber dumb. It's the Mount Everest of dumb. Well, now that we got it's a new moon, it's the Apollo Eleven of dumb. Speaking of moons, let's just spend Apollo Eleven to our new moon. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Mike Bloomberg had a better showing than he did at the the last debate, and somehow 
managed to buy two commercials during the debate. Mike Bloomberg has now poured more than $500 million into his campaign. And even if he doesn't win the nomination, he says he's prepared to spend hundreds of million dollars to help beat Trump. But Bernie Sanders says he doesn't want the money. When asked by NBC News, Team Sanders said taking money from Bloomberg is a hard no. Has any no from Bernie Sanders ever been a soft no? I, just, I mean, he gives a hard no to trick-or-treaters. So. Jimmy Kimmel, who was the, um, if you didn't watch it, the MC, I don't know if that's the right word for the Kobe Bryant Memorial. I had no idea that Jimmy Kimmel and his family were so tight with the Bryants. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. They were best friends. He was all, he was completely broken up. Yeah, interesting. So, listen, this is another step. And and listen, I I realize at times I, Joe, may come off as... overly concerned about the march of socialism and government oppression and the rest of it. But listen to this, would you? And understand that this is a step along the road. Even as it's hilariously stupid, it's a little frightening. There is a bill currently under consideration in the California Assembly that would prohibit stores from segregating children's toys and clothes by gender. It would make it illegal. There would be punishments if you had a little boy's section and a little girl's section of a department store. Yeah, what did I see, though? To go buy their clothes. $1,000 fine or something like that? Yeah. If you, if you dare to do something so crazy as have a uh, a, boy's, a boy's aisle and a girl's aisle for toys. Or it's not really, it's not like it's labeled if you're not a parent, but they have all the, the girls-type toys in one aisle and the right. boys-type toys on a different aisle at Target and Walmart and every other store that's ever existed for uh, pretty much all of capitalism. Well, and, and so, listen, to break this down, the government is taking upon itself the authority to tell stores where to put stuff because they don't like it. Now, if you can make the argument, and, and, and this is so priceless, the bill was inspired, Jack, by a nine-year-old daughter of one of this uh, assembly morons, uh, staffers, <laughs> the aforementioned moron, Evan Lowe, Democrat of Campbell. Evan Lowe, I am calling you out as not only a moron, but a totalitarian, Hello. an idiot and an oppressor. I hate you. That's hate speech. Now, listen to this. So it came from a nine-year-old daughter who who told the the assemblyman she didn't like how boy and girl sections were separated and that he should make a law against it. And instead of explaining, well, I'm not going to tell stores how to do business. If you think that's wrong, get in touch with the store because that's a private enterprise and they can do what they want. We used to say it's a free country. We don't do that anymore. But if you can make the argument... That, well, that kind of makes people feel bad. So we'll find them if they have boys' clothes over here and girls' clothes over here. Then you can absolutely make the argument that grocery stores must be arranged by quality of nutrition. The first thing you see when you walk in the door must be the most nutritious. And if you insist on selling candy, and we'll let you sell candy for now, but probably not for long, it's got to be all the way in the back. And if our government inspectors inspectors come into your grocery store and we see any candy in the first, you know, 150 feet, you will be fined heavily. Do you seriously think people who want that sort of power can be trusted with that sort of power? Are you insane? Well, you started from a premise that doesn't exist anyway. The So people are bothered. People aren't bothered by the current system. People aren't actually bothered by that. I'm going to turn it around on him. 
the fact that his daughter sees a boy's aisle and girl's, girl's aisle means he has forced some sort of yes. gender stereotype on his daughter and his child probably should be taken away from her. Right? This is all part of the movement to end the pink tax, where women's products are priced higher than the same products marketed to men. It would make that pricing illegal. Oh, wow. More power to determine what companies charge what consumers what price based on their own view of the world. Forget that, you know, whatever, you know, the perfume company, uh, makeup company, clothing company thinks, you know, I'll bet women would pay uh, $75 for this. Let's find out. And then women do because they like it a lot. And then when they like it less, it's 30% off, and they pay 30% less for it, and they make their own decisions. No, moron Jackie Spear and it's the Hannah Beth Jackson and, the, and this Evan Lowe character. No, they're going to tell you how, where, how much, when. And, oh my and so God. for big stores, like, so would Target's? Would a Target store in California have to go along with this? Yeah, just have to have one big clothing area. Well, you're going for your 12 year old boy. Got to get him some new jeans for school. You got to just wander around till you find a boy's jeans. You can't even narrow it by you know two sections. It's just, it's hilarious and idiotic and terrifying because a lot of your you know most horrific regimes in human history have had plenty of stupidity to them. I mean, they're just steeped in stupidity. So don't let the dumb remove the horror of it. Armstrong and Getty.